Welcome to the Customer Experience Management Podcast, hosted by Anders Gustafsson and Carlos Velasco. In this episode, they will introduce the topic of Customer Experience Management. Hello everyone and welcome to uh, our discussion. This is Carlos Velasco, Associate Professor at the Norwegian Business School and uh, together with Anders Gustafsson. Anders, please introduce yourself as well. Hi, Anders Gustafsson. I'm a research professor at, at the BI, the Business School, Norwegian Business School. So in this uh, podcast, what we want to do is to sort of like talk about customer experience management. We know that many people talk about experiences these days, that many people talk about experience management, but what is this all about? And, and we're going to cover some of these topics uh, through our discussion uh, together. But let me start with a very basic question, Anders, and I think you're the, the right person to answer it. Like, what an experience really is? Like, we all talk about this topic, but we never sit down really like to... to define it or no, it, it is an interesting question uh, I mean we all have experiences we, 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 we cannot avoid having experiences so experiences is, is something we start with when when we wake up and go out of, of bed uh, and and uh, everything is an experience but but if you want to break it up if, if you want to sort of try to see what it is uh, then then we can talk about cognitive experiences, experiences that we're aware of. We can talk about sensory experiences, uh, which is things we are in part aware of uh, because we tend to use our senses going through the primal part of our brain, reaching the cognitive part of the brain. Uh, we, we could talk about experiences as interactions. Uh, we can talk about experiences as, as processes. Uh, so there are quite a few dimensions of, of uh, what an experience is or, or do you have anything to add Carlos? Yeah no I think I think that's uh, that's pretty much right I mean, from from what you're saying uh, I completely agree I guess like experiences are multi multi-dimensional in nature right they involve multiple levels of of uh, or multiple elements uh, that make them uh, as, as they are. I uh, think one important aspect is the process part because what what happens uh, early on will affect what you think and how you decide later on. Uh, so the process part is, is probably one of the aspects we rarely talk about in, in, in uh, research or, or if we are talking about business intelligence, because uh, it's difficult to capture. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. It's quite interesting that, you know, one of the things that I, uh, I've been doing in some of my lectures is to ask uh, both my students and, uh, you know, different practitioners in the industry, what is an experience? And sometimes, although many of them think that they know what, what it is, they really struggle kind of like coming to uh, a definition. So I like this idea of kind of like thinking about experiences as processes and involving all these different dimensions that allow us to conceptualize them uh, uh, at different moments of interaction, I guess. So, yeah, I think that's, uh, 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 you know, something uh, to consider. And uh, typically when we talk about experiences, there, there, there is always like the topic of the experience economy. Can, can you tell us a little bit more about that, Anders? What actually is the experience economy? The experience economy, yeah, that, that, it, it is something coined by Pine and, and, and Gilmore. Uh, and and uh, it has really taken off uh, in, in business. And, and uh, 
the underlying assumption is how you compete. Uh, so it, it used to be that that you could compete on a good product. You still have a, have to have a good product in order to compete with others. But but what what is the next phase? If everyone has a good product, how do you compete? Uh, well, the next phase is good service. Uh, so if you have good products and and and, and good service, um, you're 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 in competition. But it's the same as for previously for product companies tend to have good products. Companies tend to have good services. So what's next? <laughs> and and uh, then then you sort of start to talk about well, it's the experience and and um why why experience well it, it is because people want to have good experiences and, and are willing to pay more if they have it uh so that then comes the million dollar question what is a good experience and, and uh that's exactly what i was going to to to, to say next right like if we talk then about the the like a competition in terms of experiences then what makes a good experience right would be the next question and, and, and Pine and Gilbert <clears throat> tend to lean on more memorable experiences. So, so in order for, for experience to be good, uh, it needs to be outstanding, something you remember, some, some, something you refer to when you talk to someone, uh, you know, an, an employee that has gone the extra mile. I was upgraded, uh, had a fantastic flight, stuff like that. The other thing that, that we rarely talk about it is, is uh, convenience or, or, or uh, how smooth it is. So uh, there are sort of in different industries, uh, you may compete more on the memorable uh, and, and some industries you're, you're leaning more towards the smooth convenience experience. Uh, so you, you, you barely remember them because everything went so smoothly. Uh, yeah, but basically, yeah, you know, how like a surprising memory of the process just simply just, it just felt right. Okay, I guess that there is there is a topic there which is also interesting, and is that these uh, sort of memorable experiences can be uh, uh, achieved also by considering these dimensions of experiences, right? So a memorable experience probably are experiences that have something uh, that they evoke some sort of emotions. They probably uh, engage your senses in a specific ways. Uh, they probably have like a cognitive component as well. Uh, would you agree with that? I. <clears throat> Again, it's it's about breaking down and what 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 uh, uh, literature is saying and and, and uh, uh, what what you compete on as a as a business is function and 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 uh, uh, that you have emotions. So you, it's it's every product, every service is is a set of functions and emotion uh, emotions. Um, and and uh, what what is also said is that the functions are easy to copy, but but emotions are not. Uh, so, so emotions are uh, very important when it comes to, to managing customer experience and, and, and how, how to sort of make them memorable. Um, we, we use our, our uh, emotions to, to a very large, much larger degree than, than we were aware of when, when, when we make decisions. Uh, you know, we talk about things that feel good. Yeah, that sort of emotions. Uh, we, we we talk about you know when you have a good play or 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 when you're if you're in good company at a restaurant uh, you use your emotions you're you're feeling pleasure you're you're sort of happy uh, other 
places you're, you're aroused that is sort of you, you you become more active more engaged in in, in the play or or uh, um if, if you're making wine or, or or something like that you 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 need your emotions to feel good so to speak yeah that, that makes sense and i guess the good news when we talk about emotions is that although this is an active area of research and we are discovering things about emotions almost on a daily basis, we do have ways to both uh, conceptualize emotions and also measure them, right? Yeah. And one of the things that we have come to learn, and this is a topic that, that I really like from, from your research, uh, Anders, is that, uh, you know, like if we think about uh, traditional methods of capturing emotions, typically is how asking people, how do you feel about a specific situation and experience, perhaps a product or I don't know, like multiple different elements. But that doesn't mean that people will always accurately reflect with what they say, how the experience actually felt like, right? So there are like a bunch of methods and techniques that we can use nowadays to, um, like again, conceptualize, measure and approach these emotions. Can you tell us maybe a little bit about from your research, how you do that? Uh, and this this is something that I really really find uh, interesting and and, and uh, I'm heavily engaged in it. Uh, the problem we tend to have uh, is that that if you're asking someone how do you feel or or you know, what 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 how aroused were you what type of emotions did you have when you went through that? The first thing is that you have to go through memory, so you you have to remember. The emotion that you actually felt, and and this emotion could be, you know, could be hours back. I mean, if you go to to IKEA, uh, you don't remember how you felt when you entered uh, in in the entrance and somebody greeted you, and 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 you you did find a good deal in the beginning. But but uh, you're supposed to remember that. Uh, and and the other thing that that's problematic is that you go through cognition. And uh, so, so in other words, you're not using your primal core, you're using your cognitive part of your brain. Uh, so you're, you're trying to communicate back and you're trying to communicate with cognition. But what you can do, and, and there's techniques that, that are becoming more and more easy to use, easy to, to, to access, uh, is to measure arousal. It's difficult to measure emotions per, per, per se, but you, you tend to measure how aroused you were in the situation. And, and the other part of, of emotions is whether whether or not it's a pleasurable or, or a displeasurable, not, not, not a good experience or not, not a good, you didn't feel like, uh, didn't feel well, something went wrong. That's yeah. sort of two dimensions. So we what we tend to measure and, and, and use as a reference is is arousal, and you can you can measure that by something called EDA or or, or uh, galvanic skin response, uh, which is pretty much sweating. So how much you sweat in the situation actually uh, reflects on how aroused or or engaged you were in the situation. Uh, and and uh, you could you could put a bracelet on a person and, and pretty much see what they go through in terms of arousal levels, which is an indication of emotion. Uh, again, the only thing we're missing it, whether or not, not it's positive or negative, uh, there are techniques to capture that too, but, but you don't want to put helmets on people when they're experiencing things. Experiencing something because then it's probably invasive, right? And it's kind of yeah. like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but uh, and, and why do we want that? Uh, why do we want to measure people's emotions? Uh, 
in, in a shopping uh, environment or, or when they make decisions? Well, it turns out that we use emotions to a large degree when we actually make decisions. Uh, so it, it's important for, for a business or a public um, entity to sort of really understand what type of emotions you were in, because that will actually reflect the type of decision you, you're, you're making afterwards. So that, that is why it's in, in, important. And, and for, for a business, well, you know, if you, if, you, if you even look at a grocery store, there are some sections of the store, uh, usually in the beginning, that evokes more emotions than other sections like utilities or, or you know, buying oatmeal may not be the most exciting thing you do in a store. Uh, so it's, it's, it is saying something about the environment. That is super interesting. And, and, you know, like probably this would be a, a topic in which we can spend like a whole podcast talking about. Uh, but it's quite interesting also to see how new technologies are being implemented to sort of like track that emotional process that people go through when experiencing a specific product or a service with everything from cameras, uh, you know, that track in real time people's movements, facial expressions through, you know, like uh, sensors, as you're saying, that uh, capture physiological reactions and so on. So maybe we should... and these, these techniques are available now. I mean, it's it's not expensive even to do it. Exactly. And, and stores are actually doing this uh, as we speak, but, but uh, they may not tell you. Uh, so they, you, you are being monitored as we speak uh, by, by different devices. Yeah, that is fascinating. Uh, I think we should at some point uh, record on our podcast on, on measures because this is like a whole topic that we can talk about. But I was just thinking, you know, uh, that there are kind of like uh, uh, two to three questions more to, to start wrapping up uh, uh, today's podcast uh, of questions that, you know, like I think we, we would be interesting to, to talk about. The first one is what, what are the benefits of thinking about experiences for companies? What, what do you think about that? It's a source of competition. Uh, so, I mean, deep, deep down, uh, I get these questions a lot by especially journalists. Um, are you trying to trick people now? What, 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 what's happening? Why, why do we want to learn more about the customers? The thing is that if you can build more on experience, people actually like it better. They, they're actually enjoying themselves more. When, when you go, go to a grocery store and, and you engage emotionally, you like that store more. You, you're, you're actually going there more often. So <laughs> why you should care? Well, it's because we like uh, to be emotionally engaged. We want to be active. Uh, and, and it's about being human. <laughs> exactly. Like we have basically, we experience the world around us, right? And something that is quite interesting about what you're saying is this, this idea, you know, some companies and some people saying like, oh, you're tricking or you're trying to trick and stuff. But something that uh, uh, we have come to learn from, for example, cognitive psychology is that the brain is a prediction machine, right? And there is a theory called predictive coding, which says that basically our brain is constantly trying to predict what are the sources of sensory input that are in the environment based on our previous experiences. So basically we experience something and based on that, we try to assign a meaning to the incoming sensory inputs that we have. And in that sense, there is always a gap. We have experience and we have the sensory input. And what we end up pursuing is neither, but it's both. So in the end, what companies are doing is helping people to disambiguate how to experience the world around them. 
uh, that is not tricky, that is happening all the time in our everyday lives, right? And, but the other thing we, we also have to bring up is that the, the, by talking about these things, uh, we're actually bringing awareness to, to, to people that this is happening. Because you can view this as the rain, it's going to happen whether or not you want it to. So companies will use these things. Uh, we need to learn more what they're actually doing. And, and by teaching these things, we're, we're uh, making people aware that this exists. And we also put in the public, uh, I kind of like this sort of discussion that we need to have about what is going on and how it's being used. All right, so there are like two final questions uh, of the three that I mentioned before. The first one is, what can employees do in terms of experiences? I think, uh, again, going back to, to research, employees are one of the more important parts to evoke emotions. Because uh, what, what, what a human is really good at is social things. So a, a human can sense when it's good or bad to, to, to approach someone, when it's good or bad to, to uh, go the extra mile. Uh, a good human can be fun entertainment, uh, entertaining, and, and, and that could be just um, what the customer wants or, or uh, empathic. Uh, so the human element is sort of something that, that is important to, to orchestrate with other things that, that are going on like in the store when you have different types of merchandise and, and, and uh, a human can make these come alive and, and do, do the, the extra thing that actually makes this memorable and, and, and can create better experiences. That is actually quite interesting. It's like, uh, you know, uh, again, from a psychology perspective, you would say perhaps that humans are one of the most highly evoking uh, emotions, uh, stimuli, if you like. <laughs> And as they are part of the set of touch points that we have in a specific experience with a company, then they're going to be critical in basically guiding the way in which the experience unfolds. So, yeah, that's quite... I mean, there, there's a reason why you want to uh, anthropomorphize things. Uh, and yeah. that's because we like, <laughs> we like to be social. We, we like other entities that, that we can communicate with and, 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 and uh, see as human. Exactly. And the final question, and I think this one is uh, kind of like to give a final comment to each of us, but is if we have to say, give an advice to companies in terms of uh, experiences and customer experience management, what would that be? What would you tell them, Anders? I mean, first of all, that these things are something you can manage. Uh, so what, 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 what a company has to do is be curious about the customer and, and try to collect information about customers and, and, and the type of processes you have to go through when you do different things in, in, in a store. And then you could emphasize things or, or, or down-emphasize things. Uh, and, and again, this is happening. I mean, if you, if you go to, to an IKEA store, you know you have to go through the long natural way as, as it's called uh, at the Kia. Yeah. Uh, things are set up in a specific way mm -hmm. uh, so you should have the Kia experience and, and, and you have the same, same thing happening at, at the XXL sports uh, mm -hmm. you, have, you have a designated way you go through and, and if you go online 
there's going to be a, a process that you have to go through to pay or, or uh, uh, find stuff. Uh, so this is a matter of finding out more about customers and, and build good processes, uh, probably build more on convenience and, and, and uh, ease of use than, than, than uh, anything else in terms of what the process does. The human side is, is making the, the experience more memorable. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. And I guess building on that, what, what, what I would say uh, in addition is also that, you know, in the end, the way in which we interact with companies is a full process that happens at multiple different moments and involves multiple different touch points. So my, my advice or my general comment would be, it's like, if we really kind of like understand this journey, which, you know, we didn't talk much about customer journeys, but it's in the end, the customer journey the touch points that are part of it and how they are evoking specific reactions directed toward a specific experience, then we will be able to fine tune the sort of experience that we want to deliver. And this is something that uh, is imperative in the experience economy, I would say, and the, the emotion economy, as, as you can sometimes call it as well, Alex. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, yeah, that was a very fun talk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So... To see you later on. Hope, hope we can continue and, and do discussions like this and post them online. Yeah, that would be excellent. Thank you, Anders, and thank you, everyone.